Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the let's get ready to gamble edition. After three years and more than 50 amendments on this current bill, Ohio lawmakers finally moved to legalize sports betting. The state Supreme Court heard arguments on whether the maps laying out new lines for Ohio's districts are constitutional, Republicans made it harder to get an abortion, and Democrats had a not-so-surprising shakeup in their state leadership. This week, I'm joined in studio by Haley B. Miller, our congressional reporter and official banana bread baker. Welcome to the show, Haley. It's great to be back. So, sports betting finally passed, and the most important question for most Ohioans who care is, when will I be able to place that first bet? So, they have until um, January of 2023 to get everything lined up. It sounds like, you know, there's going to be some pressure on them to get things ramped up a little bit sooner, so things will be ready for... Fall football. Yes. <laughs> very all-important fall football. Um but certainly the latest it'll be will uh, be that January deadline. Yeah, and I mean, this was, I got like a three-page bullet point list of changes last night on what was different about this final version of the bill. It it was kind of like, it's like a crazy amount of negotiating over who gets to do what. There is, and there a lot of work has been put into this issue. It was a little dicey how it ended up getting passed at the end. They held this conference committee, and then all of a sudden there was new legislation that everyone voted on real quickly in an afternoon <laughs> without much input from anyone. Yeah, I think the conference committee met at like 2 o'clock, and by like 6.30 it had been passed by both chambers. So super fast. Yeah, not not how you necessarily want to legislate, but you know, as but, we've noted, this has been but in three talks. years, right? Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like the stakeholders never had a chance to voice their opinions on it. Still, like I get it. I mean, who gets to control those mobile apps and the websites that, like, let's be honest, most people are going to use? I mean, that's a lot of money, and obviously, that means there's a lot of special interests who want to make sure they're the ones that get those websites yeah absolutely but you know importantly for for fans and gamblers this is <laughs> after after several years finally happening um yeah you know and as governor dewine said uh earlier today you know it, it's time yeah all the states around us michigan pennsylvania indiana new york they all have legalized sports gambling we're kind of we're kind of like well, I think uh, we're kind of on the all the states around us have already legalized sports gambling. And I think we're like the 31st state in the union to make it legal. So we're definitely not at the front of this curve. I feel like Ohio's motto should just be better late than never when it comes to <laughs> things like this. Yeah. So sports betting might be a done deal, but it looks like the Ohio Supreme Court could be sending lawmakers back to the drawing board when it comes to the legislative maps. Um, these are the boundary lines for Ohio's 33 Senate seats and 99 House seats. And where they fall is important because they determine who gets elected and ultimately what kinds of laws get passed. So there are three lawsuits on the state maps that got condensed into one. There are two state challenges to the federal maps and then one federal case on both maps. <laughs> so there's all the lawsuits. 
I think a flurry of lawsuits like this was certainly expected. Even as lawmakers were drawing the maps, a lot of people were unhappy with the process and very unhappy with the final product. The Supreme Court heard arguments you know, on these lawsuits this week, and you know that's a, that's a pivotal first step in figuring out if these are actually going to stand or if they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, and if they do, they've got to, the the court's actually got to move pretty quickly. They can't take months to work this out. Um, The filing deadlines are, what, February, I think? Yeah. And so that was one of the things you heard in oral arguments was this, like, if we send these back to you, do you you just draw new maps? How long do we give you? The court, I think, has a lot of latitude to be pretty specific about what they want fixed and how quickly they would like it back. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they ultimately come down with if they want lawmakers to fix the congressional maps, the legislative maps, all of them. Um, You know, and it is going to be a tight deadline, especially for a legislature that waited until the last minute to do this in the fall. They're going to have to move a lot faster than they were the first time. Yeah, they could be working through Christmas, which nobody wants, but uh, is what it is. Um, You know, speaking of the consequences of elections, Republicans sent a bill to the governor this week that could close the only two surgical abortion centers in Southwest Ohio. Now, that could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on where you come down on abortion. But basically, it would make it harder for these clinics to find doctors with admitting privileges to area hospitals. Advocates for abortion access are very unhappy about this bill, as you can probably imagine especially with the U.S. Supreme Court, you know, hearing a case that could ultimately throw out Roe v. Wade, a lot of concern among these advocates over what access to an abortion is going to look like in Ohio and closing to clinics and, you know, a part of the state is certainly not, um, not the right look at this point. Yeah, and, you know, the bill also has this completely other part of it, which um, adds paperwork. The other half of the bill deals with what they call failed abortions or situations where it's possible for an infant to be born alive. Now, there's a lot of controversy over whether that actually happens in Ohio because you can't have an abortion um, past 20 weeks and the edge of viability is right around 22 weeks. But if it were to happen then a doctor would have to fill out this piece of paper and give it to the Ohio Department of Health. And what this bill says is, if you don't do this, that's a third degree felony, which carries several years in prison. And Democrats were like, that's a big penalty for not filling out some paperwork. Right. And it's important to note, too, that Ohio already has an abortion manslaughter law on the books. Right. And so this, so that says you have to protect the life of the child and now this one is saying you have to protect the health of it as well and so it's just and fill out this paperwork right so a lot of people are arguing that this that this just isn't necessary that ohio you know has enough protections in this realm in place already yeah and there was some real concern from doctors who said look this you know what health of uh infant means is pretty ambiguous and there are some situations where women have miscarriages later on in their pregnancies and intentionally choose not to have medical intervention so this might be you deliver at 21 22 23 weeks and you say you know 
the baby has a lot of health complications, I don't want medical intervention. And the concern was that perhaps they wouldn't have a choice, that doctors would be afraid of this first degree felony charge, and therefore they would take the kid against your objections and perform whatever treatments they thought might change the outcome regardless of your wishes. Yeah, it's a very convoluted bill and ultimately another example of how Ohio's really leading the nation uh, in abortion restrictions. Yeah, and finally, we're going to talk about Amelia Sykes. She is a Democratic lawmaker from Akron, and for the past three years, she's been in the minority leader in the Ohio House. She had another year left in her term, but this week she announced she's stepping down. And it's a move that made Haley's ears perk up because Sykes pulling back from the state house might mean she's focusing her attention on a run for Congress. That is certainly the big rumor right now. There is, under the new maps, assuming they don't get changed again, which who knows, uh, the 13th Congressional District would be centered around Akron, which is where... Sykes is from, and so many think that she's going to launch a bid for that seat, which currently has no incumbent. That's Anthony Gonzalez's seat, right? Or it would be. Yeah, it would be Anthony Gonzalez's seat. He's not running for re-election. So on the Republican side, the biggest name so far has been Max Miller, who's um, a former Trump aide, endorsed by Trump, um, certainly going to make... Uh, some national attention for this race. Um, Another Republican, Shea Hawkins, also jumped into the race recently, but Sykes would certainly be a big name for the Democratic side of things. And, you know, an open race in 2022 is going to be very interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, and it's kind of, I mean, it's set up as one of the possible swing seats here in Ohio, if it lasts, and that's the caveat on all these maps at the moment. But, you know, the Sykes name, for those of you who don't know, is sort of a political institution in Democratic circles in Northeast Ohio. Both her parents, Vernon and Barbara Sykes, are longtime politicians, and actually, someone named Sykes has represented Akron longer than Haley's been alive. (laughs) Yeah, uh, definitely a big name, and and that goes a long way in a race when like most of the most of your constituents already know who you are, right? And as you noted, with this district being a lot more competitive too, when Max Miller first entered this race to challenge Gonzalez, uh, the you know the seat was a lot more Republican than it is now, and you know he's sticking it out. He's still going to run, but he's definitely facing a different election than he would have been. And one last thing before you go: the Ohio House passed a bill this week that would let ambulance transport police dogs to veterinary hospitals. So it turns out that police canines are incredibly expensive animals, which makes sense. And I guess if they're injured in the line of duty, uh, their handlers can provide first aid. And so what they want to be able to do is put them in the back of an ambulance, have their handler provide that care while they try to get them to a vet. And I guess that's not allowed. This legislation flew under the radar with me, but I mean, (laughs) as a dog lover, I see nothing wrong with this. It seems... Fair enough to me. It says that they will only be transported this way if they're injured in the line of duty and they won't go before any human requiring emergency medical transport. And I'm not quite clear on the why. Um, You know, House Speaker Bob Cup kind of uh, pontificated that it might have to do with certain sanitation rules about having like animals and ambulances. But the idea is if the dog gets hurt and there's no human hurt, then you can take them to the vet. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, this will be a big help. I mean, you know, the canines do play an important role and, you know. And they're just cute. Yes. (laughs) And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like zanesvilletimesrecorder.com.